1: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater.
2: Right. I'm, I'm, thinking about the, I'm thinking about being. being I thought that was maybe some
1: sort of vampire joke, like can't be seen on
3: camera, something oh, like that. I'm I'm sure. well, that you're a, going well, a really can...
4: long way for that one.
3: <laughs> I, <guess laughs> I start with mirrors man. because, it's yeah. like, Wait, where's <laughs> Aaron? Oh, this is never going to work. Well, the the cameras are a bad
2: intro to this podcast. Mir- <laughs> these yeah, I was thinking we'll about coming out. to Chicago in November, so maybe I'll hit you up then. Jason,
1: get the timestamp. 20 seconds. Cut all of that. Thank you. Cut all that. Nicholas
3: Cage is kind of a vampire, right? Nicholas Cage has been a vampire many times. He's playing Dracula times? in
1: an upcoming 2023. He's film playing who? Just on his Wikipedia. Yeah, he's playing Dracula, the <laughs> the the vampire lord himself.
2: Dro- Dracula. Is, is anybody? Did <laughs> you, said you said just super weird. that?
1: No, no, no. Yeah, I, I heard you it. said it.
2: You said it like Dracula. a Transylvanian.
1: Yeah, he's playing Dracula. Okay, this weird. is
2: this is oh, Love, uh, a literal roundtable podcast about movies we saw or people we met at the or through the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at TrilovePodcast. Podcast. You can find the Trilon itself at Trilon.org where you can get tickets and information about showings and cool goings on at the Trilon. Uh, I am not of this earth, and I am uh, Jason Daphnis. You can
3: find me on Twitter and Nintendoofus. I haven't been on a recording for two weeks, but that's like a decade in horny podcaster years. I'm Cody Narvison, and you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH. Hmm.
4: The idea of sacrificing children in my honor annoys me greatly. I'm Harry Mackin. You can find me on Twitter at Shataki uh,
1: And I am Aaron. I'm going to kill you, and then I'm going to defile your corpse. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at RB, please. Doug,
2: that was like the one that I knew I couldn't touch. Thank you for breaking that seal, I guess. Today's <laughs> film played at the triathlon as part of the nick cage national treasure series if you're listening to this on the day of release uh you can still catch it tonight but the series will continue through august with red rock west valley girl wild at heart and mandy closing out at the end of august 2022 go to triathlon.org to get your tickets and come back here for episodes on several of those movies uh, with some fun and new and returning guests both speaking of which see this was my handoff i knew i had a segue uh we have a brand new guest for this episode um abby introduce yourself
0: Never just wrote before gunplay. Uh I am Abby Phelps at Good Hunter Abby on Twitter. I'm excited to be here.
2: It is really good that we've gotten to the point of like critical mass where our guests can show up and like oh, yeah. have critical that mass. bit ready. <laughs> I mean, like we could had Michael Popham on, yeah. pop him on for an episode of Godzilla, and we were just blown away that he knew all our bits before he started. And it's just yeah. a grand, grand thing. You thank you so much, Abby, for joining for this episode. You asked to be on this episode about this movie, which I will let Aaron introduce with a quick summary.
1: Yes, we are talking about uh, 2011's Drive Angry, uh, directed by Patrick Lussier. Uh, Yet another film, as Jason mentioned, in the the uh, trial on Nick Cage series. Uh, Stars, you might be surprised, Nick Cage uh, as John Milton, who is a man who uh, escapes from hell in order to save his granddaughter before she is sacrificed by cult leader Jonah King played here by Billy Burke. Uh, along the way, Milton is joined by Piper Lee, played by Amber Heard, uh, a waitress at a small town southern diner. Um, Milton is also being chased down by a man known simply as The Accountant, uh, who is kind of like Satan's assistant right-hand man, uh, played by William uh Fichtner, 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 uh, who impersonates impersonates an FBI agent in order to get the local police uh, to help him catch uh, Milton. Milton must catch up to King and save his granddaughter uh, before she is sacrificed in a ritual intended to unleash hell on Earth. Uh, The film came at kind of a I guess just to put it into context with the Nick Cage series, kind of an interesting time for Nick Cage. Uh, 2011 was the start uh, of a bit of what you could call a slump in his career. Um, Drive Angry itself kind of followed on the heels of a, a few critical and commercial successes, uh, the critical successes were often not commercial ones and vice versa. But National Treasure 2, uh, Bad Lieutenant, Kick-Ass, those kind of films kind of had him in the the uh, kind of, I don't know, film spotlight uh, for a little while there. But the next few years after this would see him uh, in a bit of a rough patch um, and only kind of a few standout roles here and there until 2018's Mandy. Um drive angry uh can also be seen in the context of a few films that were kind of grindhouse revivals these kind of super hyper violent films uh many direct to video but many also through the theater uh kind of the the most uh, i guess you know referenceable point here would be the actual film grindhouse from 2007 uh, in which nick cage had a very very small part in uh lastly the film can also be seen in the context of the decline of uh, 3D films, specifically 3D films, uh, not just uh, with the 3D TVs at home, but in the cinema, right? Uh, 2009's Avatar was kind of undeniably the commercial peak. Um, but by the end of 2010 and the start of 2011, theaters were starting to phase out 3D screenings of films uh, as movies like uh, Kung Fu Panda 2, Cars 2, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, Part 2, a lot of very kind of bad sequels, uh, started to see the decline in the percentage of theater goers uh, that were choosing to see films in 3D. Uh, Nevertheless, drive angry or drive angry 3D as it was known for certain showings uh, was shot in 3D. And there's quite a few, Uh, shots of various shit uh, flying at the camera, exploding, flying all over uh, in a way that may have looked cool back in 2011, uh, but is now very annoying for me personally, a person who watched this uh, on their uh, 2D TV uh, in their living room. Uh, That being said, Abby, it is my understanding that you are our official uh, Drive Angry correspondent, big fan of Drive Angry, uh, and and you wanted to chat about this one. I guess I'll just pass it off to you. What... uh, what are your thoughts on this This kind of go-around? What are your kind of general thoughts on the film uh, overall?
0: Yeah, so I've seen this movie about five times in the last two years, which I was not planning on happening. It just sort of did. It uh, didn't
2: just happen. How does that happen?
0: <laughs> I couldn't tell you. I just watched it once and then found myself doing it again, and then it happened again, and here we are. Uh, yeah, this is a piece of shit movie that i love so so much like everyone involved in it is just on the perfect wavelength like cage is playing the straight man um which is definitely not one of his more interesting roles but he's holding it down amber heard recognizes that this is basically mud wrestling and she's bringing that vibe to it (laughs) william fichtner is giving the performance of his career for some reason and it's just it's perfect oh man um when I first saw it I was endeared by it because I was like oh this is like such a like this is like a no budget just like attempt at a blockbuster how great is that then I looked up the actual budget this movie was made for a 50 million dollar budget so like that's almost endearing in a different sense where it's like you had all this money and you still didn't know how to make a movie and yeah it is not one of Nicolas Cage's best films but it is absolutely in like his five or six most entertaining films and that is enough for me um i love it dearly and i'm very excited to talk about it more with all of you and cage has a lot of entertaining films i feel like that's like i don't
1: know that's kind of like high praise in a certain way right despite all the also shitting on it right but like this you know it's an entertaining film nick cage is like hamming it up in a way that he would you know already known for but also would be known for even more and like i don't know i it's like i absolutely agree that like it is kind of a piece of shit, but also, like, very entertaining in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree completely.
2: And it comes in, like, a, a point in his career. I know you called it a slump, but, like, this is... Yeah. Like, I was turning um, 18 the year that this movie came out. Like, this is, for me, sort of defining Cage... It was like, oh, past what would have been considered his general career prime and into that slump was like all that I really knew him for from like 2008 Bangkok Dangerous through Kick-Ass and so the Sorcerer's Apprentice in 2010. And then in this same year as Drive Angry, he had Season of the Witch, Drive Angry, Seeking Justice and Trespass, whatever the fuck those are, uh, and Ghostwriter Spirit of Vengeance, uh, which yeah. was like. Arguably like the movies I might have heard the absolute most about from Nick Cage in my like late as somebody who started watching movies intentionally. So while yes, agreed, these are not good movies. These are like the ones prior to seeing a few Nick Cage movies a few years ago, the ones that defined him to me. So I find that an interesting contrast to like how good I know that he is versus what these movies made him do. (laughs)
0: Oh, and Spirit of the Witch led directly to this movie because Nicolas Cage wanted his character to have his eyes shot out in that movie. And when that didn't happen, he got the script for this in which his eye is shot out. And he's like, I can make this work.
2: <laughs> I also read that he wanted his hair to be bleached uh, or dyed be- because of, like, his Celtic roots or whatever. Like, it has no real reason in the plot. I don't know. This is just shit that I read in old interviews from...
4: Also, it makes him look so funny in this movie that he has, like, bleached blonde hair. It's like, why – what was that decision? And then you hear that Cage wanted it himself, and you're like, yeah, of course. Uh, Also, interesting that in this career slump, which I believe came about because of some financial difficulties he was having with, like, his taxes or with – some purchases that he made that ended up bankrupting or something. So like there was a reason for all of those movies. Do you know more about this, Aaron? But like, basically it was that he was making a ton of bad movies because he desperately needed money to pay for something or to pay off debts, right? Pay for
1: a, a, uh, yeah, here's, uh, I, I will try and tell this in a way that is not, uh, just kind of bloated and rambling. Uh, but if, if you go to new Orleans uh, and you tour one of the more prominent uh, cemeteries in New Orleans. There is a a pyramid, a weird little pyramid uh, tomb, I guess. Uh, and I I did this, and I went on a, a tour. And so a lot of this might have been just like entertaining uh, cemetery tour bullshit. But the, the the tour guide basically said like that pyramid right there is Nick Cage's to, uh, tomb. Uh, he he went through a a bunch of uh, like financial ruin. Essentially, he made. Uh, uh you know hundreds, maybe not quite hundreds, but like uh a hundred to two hundred million dollars over the course of uh about a decade and a half um starting in the nineties to kind of the the mid two thousands making a ton of money in a bunch of different movies um and he started spending that like a motherfucker i mean he he bought i mean the most prominent thing that's brought up is uh dinosaur skulls he bought that he but he bought like he bought islands he bought castles he bought all sorts of shit um and uh yeah and and then he got uh, hit with the the tax bill uh, for all of that, and the thing that he says is that uh, his accountants and his like his personal finance people were kind of like screwing him over and like stealing a bunch of money from him. Uh, also, like he just got in trouble due to like tax issues. Uh, but yeah, he the the story is that he like saw like a uh you know just like a fortune teller in New Orleans, and the fortune teller said if you bought this giant pyramid tomb and you were going to get buried there when you died that your misfortune would would go away so he did that that is his tomb i guess uh, ostensibly he will be buried there this is a very weird uh diversion but like yes he he no, started I mean, taking a lot of these projects because he needed a lot of fucking money after like 2009 or so uh and he's just like a fucking weirdo i don't know
0: well we also can't forget the crown of this which is that he bought a t-rex skull that ended up having been stolen from china yes. that he then had to return to the chinese government <laughs> um and that was should
1: probably be a national like... treasure three
0: that should be you know like <laughs> why not you know at this
1: point
4: let's go for it you know yeah I well i mean it. but all yeah. of that is to say that like um that sort of legacy of of Cage's career that chapter is in its own way sort of defining right Jason like you were saying it's like this is very much this movie and movies like it sort of define this this desperate time where we see like a guy who was once like maybe one of Hollywood's biggest like stars in a weird way right like never in a conventional way but always in sort of like this slant way who is now doing these movies that somebody with his ostensible star power shouldn't be doing necessarily, um, but is doing because of his own financial struggles, and it all sort of like it it adds to the mystique of of Nicolas Cage's fascinating career. So it makes a lot of sense that the trilon would include a movie like this in um in this series, right? In my opinion.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that. There were there were various points throughout where it just kind of clicked. And it was like, Oh, of course, like it makes sense to include this alongside like the raising Arizona's of, you know, Cage's career. And the, the air, this era of Cage's filmography that we're talking about is something that I'm a little fuzzy on. Like I'm not as like, I didn't necessarily pay attention to this stretch as much. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed drive angry from, I think the same sort of perspectives that we're talking about here. It has, Um, Like I I got some, some big um, Constantine vibes, uh, which is another sort of like, yeah, I was going (laughs) to evoke Constantine later on. Yeah. And like Constantine, um, not to just like put these into crude buckets, there are a lot of like obvious narrative similarities, you know, traversing between the living world and and hell and everything in between. Um, But the sort of the the optimal culmination um, in this movie, as well as that one of buy-in from your performers and just like a series of choices that just ever so slightly go against what you would expect to see in like a 50 million dollar budgeted hollywood release um like cage commits to pretty much everything he's in um william fichtner and um oh i just had his name up here and david morse are two of the biggest like guys you see and like you look at their filmographies and you're like, Oh shit. Yeah. He's the guy in da, 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 like all of these things. Um, and uh, Amber Heard was sort of like um, becoming more prominent at this point. I think it was um, this and a few other, pro- like she had zombie land that she had that like very small role. And that was really widely talked about a couple years before that. And then she started getting more attention around this time. Um, and her as the sort of like, not, not like damsel in distress necessarily, like very sort of um, pointedly, you know, uh, aggressive counterpart to, to Cage's, you know, like she she seemed pretty committed to that. Billy Burke, who did not need to be in this movie because he had the Twilight movies that were going on at the same time. Yeah, but, but he's so like, good
4: in this one. He's he, so good.
3: He, he's so good. He and Fickner especially are just like Dude, chewing Fichtner on the walls. I
4: absolutely yeah. agree with Abby. I think that this is my favorite performance that he's ever given maybe. And like the highlight of the movie, certainly, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, I mean, and a bunch of weird choices that that I'm sure we'll get to They're like all very small, but they make up this very um, goofy motion picture that yeah, I, I could also see myself watching like five times over the course of two years for for no real reason other than I can and I kind of want to.
2: So I must confess, I knew that this was eventually just going to turn into a Fichtner cast because he is like <laughs> far and away the reason that I enjoyed this movie yeah. the most. I was talking to Abby a little bit about it last night at a couple of showings of the trial on. And it's just he has charisma beyond his role for this. Like he has sort I don't know what direction he was given versus what he imposed upon this character. But there's so much that just defines him in contrast to everything. Like one, he is. Like, it's that – Cody was evoking Constantine a little bit ago, but it's yes. that that larger concept of, like, the supernatural right. butting up against the natural and, like, Fickner in in himself, there's so much more to say about him that's, like, quicker to get off, off of my chest. But, like, he is, for me, a really good lens – or a really good talking point – or, sorry, entry point to that discussion of, like, this is the – there's that Neil Gaiman ass uh, Constantine yes. ass thing where the like Sandman
1: man Yeah. 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 But, absolutely. But, yes.
2: But like all of the, like generally you could say that any of those things, they, they like smash this concept of like fanfic versions of theology with uh, like comic book, like wish fulfillment for this bloody revenge opera thing. Right. Uh, and if I had known, I did not know anything about drive angry. If I had known when I was going in that it was going to be Uh, One of those, I would have had different expectations. I would have thought about it differently. But learning that it was what it was along the way, I guess from the very first monologue with Fickner where he's talking about like, you know, nobody gets away from hell. I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? How nobody gets away from hell? 45 minutes later, realize exactly why he's saying that. Um, The thing that those movies do... It took me forty five minutes. 50. That's after every. That's after they've already said <laughs> right. I'm Satan and I'm from hell. Um, yeah. uh, the, the thing that all those movies do, like all those works, that, like I'm thinking, even broader to like Harry Potter and Doctor Who and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, is like they juxtapose all those things. They put those arcane things in front of a modern lens to try and like give them depth. To try and pretend that like oh the things that you know have depth because they are. Like there's something going on in the background that you don't know. Um, this movie kind of shies away from that for most of it. It doesn't like ignore it, but it does not make it the point of the thing. Uh, the movie could exist without that. It wouldn't be fun. It wouldn't be good. It wouldn't be better, but it could exist without that. And it's like, rather than trying for a certain form of r- surrealism, um, they're just, it's like, it don't, doesn't carry a whole lot of that pretense. It's still got those plot elements, but it just lets like, I guess my point is if this movie had been made another five or six years after it was Ryan Reynolds would have been in Fickner's role and it would have fucking oh, yeah. sucked. It would have yes. sucked ass so hard and it would have been the worst. I would have been the worst thing in the worst movie of whatever year it released in. But the fact that they made it when they made it in between like the heyday of sort of Whedon bullshit and uh, you know, I don't know some of the more postmodern what Gaiman's trying to do now with his stuff. Kind of lets it be in that weird space of we're adopting the aesthetics. We're letting this be a bayonet of assed movie without like without sacrificing the fact that William Fichtner can also be sort of like hell's number cruncher. And he can have these weird idiosyncrasies that like where every, the end of every line that he gives, he pauses for like three seconds before the last word like six times in this movie, it's like very conscious choices. Like Cody was saying, very conscious choices that go against what you might think flow in a movie that make it, I think much more fun than it could have been.
1: Your, your Ryan, uh, your Ryan Reynolds uh, reference is very funny because RIPD, the classic film is
4: kind of him doing that. I know it came two years after this though. It was like
2: 2013. Yeah.
4: I mean, counter counterpoint though, if this yeah. had come out in 2016, John Wick would have come out, and so they definitely just would have cast Lance Reddick because, like, this is already a John Wick mm. character. That's why this character works so well is because it's the one part that's like, hey, we're going to do, like, a weird sort of, like, very arch-gothic lore alongside this, like, butt-rock movie. <laughs> I, yeah. But I, it, it really does kind of prefigure a lot of that stuff, and it works really well for that. Um, I really loved the or I really disliked the first act of this movie, like when it was getting started. All the like Texas stuff, the like Amber Heard beating up/slash getting really badly beaten up by her boyfriend, like the whole sort of like conservative fantasy of like a tough broad who like like drinks hard and and parties hard and, and doesn't take shit,
1: yeah, yeah, doesn't take shit from
4: anyone. I was like, I was really like, oh god, is it one of these movies? Is it like a like um you know, a a Texas movie, sort of, so to speak. But then it really, like, pivots hard in the second and third act and basically becomes, like, kind of a Ghost Rider movie slash kind of a John Wick movie. Um, And it gets really weird and really um, sort of interested in being this, uh, yeah, like this gothic sort of horror action movie. Um, And I ended up being so charmed by it. Right? Like, especially Fickner, like we said, Billy Burke too. Um, I even think Nicolas Cage's performance in this is really charming in its own way. Um, and uh I agree with Abby that like uh I, I think Amber Heard is really underserved here because her character makes no sense. Like, why does she keep hanging out with Nicolas Cage's yeah. character? She has one little monologue about how it's like my whole life has been about nothing but waiting, and now it means something and it's like so lame. it means like killing cops. Uh, which like cool based. That's yeah. great. But like and and just like this this sort of like fight that you have nothing to do with is is how you're deriving meaning for your life. And then the funniest possible conclusion happens right at the end of this movie and the sort of gender politics that this movie is all been about where <laughs> Nicolas Cage has to go back to hell and he just gives the baby to her. And he's just like, well, you're a woman. You were looking for a purpose. Now you're a mom to this baby anyway. And it's and it's, a fraud.
2: And it's fraud anyway because he's not dying. Like they talk about how you can't kill a right. dead man. It's not the well, end he, for him.
4: He has to go back to hell, right? But, but still, it's just like, hey, like random woman who helped me and who I really screwed over a lot in this movie – the rest of your life is now about this kid that I'm leaving you with. I just thought there was something almost charmingly self-aware and funny about just how shafted Amber Heard's character got in this movie, where it's just like, look, this is a movie about the, the dudes, all right? This is a movie about hell dudes rock, and uh, here's the baby for you, female character. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: Well, and honestly, that's one of my favorite parts about this movie, is that there's not a single thought in its head. Like, there there is no point to any of this. There is not a single theme you can take away from this movie. It is just things happen for 105 minutes. Yes. And, like, if it tried to have a point, it would be more lame. If they tried to, like, somehow graft a moral onto this Constantine-if-he-got-hit-in-the-head-with-a-shovel movie, it would just, <laughs> it would be lesser for it. I appreciate that all it is is just, like, a big monster truck rally, and then everyone goes home.
2: That... I think we're getting at exactly why I love this movie so much. Cause it has no sense of import or pretense about those things. It is literally just what you see on its face is what it is.
3: Yeah. And I think, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the only in my mind thinking back on it, the only like sense of morality we have, and it plays into if we want, if it's maybe it's too generous to call it like meta text, but and, you know, not to just go back to William Fickner, but obviously I want to go back talking about William Fickner, but like, on some level it's almost like the the movie realizes how cool uh William Fichtner's character is and just like his presence and of course he and Nicolas Cage would team up at some point just like wait it's wh- so why do you guys want Yeah just like hmm, well actually that that sounds kind of shitty hmm, may, uh, you know what let me i'll drive down the highway in this big gasoline tr- or whatever the fuck that vehicle was and just like now now it's this movie now now it is Dr- a drive angry colon hell dudes rock um i love that that's like the only sort of I, again moral fiber is probably too strong but um yeah i don't know not to and not to give this movie too much credit but also i kind of want to give it credit for just like what like more wisely using its parts than like a lot of movies with william victor in it would or maybe like honestly even like a lot of movies with Nicolas cage in them probably would
4: Uh, I really love the scene you just mentioned, Cody. Well, first of all, like that fuel source is like it's called like hydro fuel, fuel of the future. And it seems to be a fictional type of fossil fuel that like burns hotter because like when it starts on fire, it burns blue instead of uh, orange, just so you know how badass the explosion is. Also, the setup for that scene is so funny because it's like it relies on so many different things where like there is this character who becomes this sort of like fourth party in this big chase that's happening. Uh, And he wears weird, funny, ironic clothes. And he's like the all-time captain of the Oklahoma police force, but he's only in these two scenes. So he was really only there to have this, this weird little scene, where also it relies on Nicolas Cage and Amber Heard just forgetting about the police and ending up driving into this big, Sting that would have taken them down just because they just decided not to do anything about it. And that is why they need the accountant to come and save their asses, which he does in a scene that like at first doesn't make any sense because he's ostensibly the accountant is at this point still ostensibly their enemy, but he just like drives through the police force for them and lets them go. And we're like, what is going on? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And then like that plot line is just gone. And eventually it's resolved where we understand that the accountant is actually helping Nicholas Cage at this point. But it was so funny that in the middle of this, it was just a totally perfunctory feeling action scene, right? Where it was just like, even as the scene I was going, I was like, why is this happening? And, you know, very similar to the way I was like, okay, why is Amber Heard still going with Nicolas Cage, right? Like, at, at one point, she, like, she is part of this giant gunfight, and then he literally just, like, leaves her at this hotel, and she's like, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I'm going to go find them. You want to come? And she's just like, yeah, I guess. And it's like, what? I mean, what, in the Cage. What? I guess. Like yeah. I would, well, that is yeah. the other thing is that everybody in this movie is constantly talking about how hot Nicolas Cage is. And it's one of those movies where it was like, man, maybe in the yes. 1980s. It's like a like... Steven Seagal. It's like a modern <laughs> yes, Steven Seagal exactly. movie. Everybody's like,
1: that man's so badass. And it's like, no, that's, that's Steven Seagal. not really. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like 70, yeah.
0: Well, and it could have been even more incongruous because the original look Cage wanted for this movie was not the bleached hair, but for him to have sh- a shaved head covered in tattoos, and that was vetoed by the producers.
1: <laughs> would have been cool. I, would have, I would have dug that. I don't know. I mean, I kind of like the cool, goth, hot boy look that Cage has yes. going on but
4: like yeah that you know that was sort of a redeeming factor for me in this movie right it was so funny we're like we're really getting into like it's just flavors of exploitation right but like in the first act when I thought this was going to be like a guns trucks beers in America type of like Texas Roadhouse movie right we're like oh it's it's all about like like Taken down the the big badasses by being even bigger and badasser and having bigger dicks, right? And I was like, "Oh no, this is going to be kind of obnoxious." And then literally, they physically transport the movie from Texas to Louisiana so they can get into like Satan worshiping voodoo shit. And I was like, "Oh, now this is my stuff. Like, yeah. this is the I- exploitation bullshit that I I'm all about." Yeah. No, I, I don't. I don't want to see like like. Uh, fucking rebel flag, like a neocons. I want to see like devil. There's the shot of the, right? <laughs> the guy's
1: wallet who has the yes, flag yeah. on there And I was like, ah, oh, I don't want that. Yeah. No,
4: exactly. It's like that's what I thought this movie was going to be. And then I'm so glad that it, like it pivots and like now we've got a a bad guy who killed Nicolas Cage's daughter and made a walking cane out of her femur that he just walks around with. <laughs> it's like now we're talking movie. Now I'm on board.
0: Although speaking of dick measuring, it is very funny the repeated lengths this movie goes to to emphasize the fact that the villain in fact does not have a dick anymore. Uh, yes,
4: that's supposed that's supposed to be so bad for him, right? It's supposed to be yes. like the ultimate refutate refutation of like everything that he stands for is the fact that his dick was bitten off by Nicolas Cage's
2: daughter. <laughs> he wanted to open the gates to hell to just release demons, he, like was, was it super clear to she anybody was, else? Yeah, they were going to like, I
0: it. to It's like the plan is just if we release the demons, then we become the new demon lords because, like, Satan is just going to be okay with this. Uh, not, not a lot of thought put in.
4: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so funny that that dude is getting cucked on every level constantly in this movie because, like, they even take the time to explain that his plan isn't even going to work. The accountant is like in one of the funniest scenes in the movie, in my opinion. The accountant is just like, oh yeah, the devil. He's just a warden of a prison. He's sort of a he's a yes. quiet, thoughtful dude, very well read. And uh, this whole plan, people sacrificing babies to him, it it really just pisses him off. That's why I'm here. <laughs> uh, like they're not going to do anything. Uh, they're just going to kill a baby, and and the devil doesn't like that. So I'm going to stop him. And it's just like so. This guy really had absolutely no sort of. There's a really funny moment where like Amber Heard is like, "No, it's real. The demons are real. They're going to be able to bring them out." And the accountant and Nicholas Cage are both just like, "Oh no, yeah. no, don't worry about that. That's fine."
1: It, it is a very, uh, I think Neil Gaiman is probably the reference here, right? Where it's like all of this like occult supernatural stuff is filtered through very uh, kind of like mundane, everyday uh, lenses, right? Where like the Satan's right hand man is an accountant, right? And he wears a suit and he like. Uh, he flips a coin, right? But he, he's 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 like anything sort of like mystic about that is kind of reduced down to like something mundane. Similarly, like Lucifer has like a kind of a, a similar thing. He's like not there, right? But it's very much like, uh, oh yeah, he'd really be upset about all this child sacrifice. And it's like, I, are we supposed to imagine like him just in like a library, or just like reading books? Like what what is the image of the devil here that we're given? Yeah, um, I don't. I I kind of dig that, but it does you know. As someone who, like, grew up reading, like, a bunch of Sandman, that feels very, like, decades ago, and it feels like there there were a bunch of movies probably just trying to save on, like, CGI from, like, I don't know, 2010 to, like, 2016 that were chock full of this kind of stuff, just a lot of demons wearing suits, uh, you know, not actually menacing, but kind of maybe... In a yeah. menacing sort of manner. Oh yeah. We we can't really
4: give this movie credit for being original, right? Because no. like this is no, so I mean, done over.
2: But but for me it's it's the way like uh Aaron's saying, it's the way that it kind of makes fun of that concept that works for me. I know that again, it's not even original in that, but the way that like it is not only just making fun of that concept, like William Fickner as the accountant, he is as like flamboyant and idiosyncratic as you can make somebody in that kind of a role and he's sort of owning it. So it's sort of like we're poking fun at the idea that this person is like the number cruncher, the people eater, the bean counter. Uh, and the fact that like Satan is actually not pleased by what Satanists are doing on earth, essentially, uh, like the way that it undercuts those things, again, not original, but it, it works for me. Uh, Because it does it, it seems like the movie doesn't even particularly care about whether or not that works like we have adopted the aesthetic of the thing without properly grokking the underlying implications of that I guess just the fact that it does not seem to care any more than I do in the moment we're on the same page movie like. I now enjoy what you're doing here because you don't really care what you're doing at a certain point. You right. have, you have Amber Heard's character just saying yes to a thing based on nothing like no <laughs> character. No, nobody changed any, anything about how they felt about the, the, the goings on in the movie between when she's like fears for her life. And when she is completely and totally on board, she just, again, like Harry said, she just kind of becomes and assumes the woman's role as like childbearing homemaker, because that seems like she should, I, I don't know. It's, it's so stupid.
0: <laughs> well, and Amber heard herself. said the reason she took the movie is that her character swears in every single line and that was compelling to her. So like she and the writers put in the exact same amount of
2: thoughts to the character. And that's kind of beautiful. <laughs> it is. It's a beautiful synchrony.
4: Yeah, I know. I mean, she's so game in this movie. I think she does a great job. She has some like really brutal action sequences that, that she seems really committed to. Um, And yeah. she, you know, I, I think she does a really good job of being the, it's just, it's, I don't want to call it unfortunate because this is what the movie is. She's just the hot chick, right? Who's in this movie to be hot and like to, you know, a but like also like, badass, but right? also like bad. She, oh yeah, no, that's important. Cleavage, right? But that's... also
1: denim or not denim, but also like, uh, uh, you know, uh, like kind of a
4: slam. And that was, you know that mean? was the thing that bothered me about yes. it at first is because like that, that version of that character is almost more annoying to me where they sort of pretend that like it's because it's so like, it's, it's like another level of misogyny where it's like not only does the hot chick have to be hot she also has to be one of the boys right she's yes. not like a girly girl she's not afraid to like break a nail she's going to get down god damn it you know what i yeah. mean but like i she does such a good job of making me like that i guess yeah, well,
0: and like the idea of this movie is definitely her in a car driving down the road singing fuck the pain away. Like repeatedly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, that is it is no arguments in, there. insufferably dumb. She, like, she
1: has the drive angry fucking license plate. It's yeah. her license plate, not Nick Cage's. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. It's, yeah, it's of, her
2: movie uh, really. Uh the yeah. that, that sequence is the one that made me think of the most of like The fact that this is a 2010s movie, like the color grading and the editing and everything, sure, and the CGI, it all looks very 2011, but when it felt like sincerely like this is something that I would not probably see in a movie of this caliber or of this budget in 2020 or 2022 was literally the Michael Bay asked uh, transformers shot where she opens up the hood on her charger. When it, when it breaks down, like one, like Harry was just saying, she's like one of the boys. She, she can get down and dirty when she needs to. And then she has no idea what's wrong with her car. When the radio, when the radiator bursts and like, the cage then just
1: goes like, uh, what what the fuck one, does he do little, by the way? Does he have superpowers? Little, or I, can fix I wasn't that. sure. <laughs> I just need to turn this valve. I can fix. That's how are cars you, work.
2: Are you from? Are you the guy from Holes? Are you uh, Duley Hill and Holes? It's been a while since I've seen <laughs>
1: Holes, but it sure. was a really good
2: <laughs> reference. Just trust me. Um, yeah. but it it like it is in that moment that I realized, oh, this movie actually was in twenty. This is an eleven year old movie now. I uh, it was like the fact that this character not only existed, but they wanted her to walk that line and then didn't. Kind of make any just dis- clear decision about whether she would, I guess.
3: Yeah, that is a, a a fascinating kind of like micro pivot of like the things that ingrain drive angry within a specific time and place. And like years from now, hopefully we won't. I mean, for better and for worse, we'll probably hone in on like. The Michael Bay sort of influence over, over all of cinema, and like you definitely get those types of, that transformer shot that you were talking about, Jason that's definitely your the um and also just the and not not to invoke that same like um Jackie Chan video from every frame a painting that we've talked about like every other episode, but just like and correct me if I'm mischaracterizing, but especially during this time, you know the um not necessarily the peak of of action cinema, but maybe the peak of like attempting action cinema um of just like things not looking all that great um we talked um right <laughs> like it, the, the 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 CGI um and the the focus on or like the um, intentionality surrounding like making this movie viewable in 3d has already been, been mentioned Um, the fighting choreography uh, as well is, I mean, like whenever Amber heard punches, she telegraphs it for like a full five seconds beforehand with like this big old Looney tunes wind up like, um, not literally, but just like, just, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to like telegraph to someone and give them three to five seconds to dodge your punch. Um, But also, I mean, kind of going back to like walking it back everything else we've talked about that sort of adds to the the charm of of this movie because like on some level they were so earnestly committed to it looking and feeling like that and i i just want to pat this movie's head and be like oh you're so stupid <laughs> like i love you so much um and i i don't know it was it was grating at first you know somebody who is uh who's um a long time ago in an orange belt in in Ryuku Kempo, um you yeah, know Harry's eyes widened because he, he's a higher belt than me in, in his own um discipline but um yeah know that that irked me, and then all of a sudden all of that melted away as I watched the rest of the this movie and the pieces kind of fell into place a bit better.
4: I totally agree with that. I there's this amazing sequence with Billy Burke and Amber Heard when they're in the trailer where she says like he's like he says the line that Aaron said, that horrifying line about how he's gonna kill her and defile her corpse, and then she's like, between now and then, I'm gonna fuck you up. And then she like hits a stance like she's in a Mortal Kombat video game. Like she literally puts her dukes up and like starts going back and forth Combat and like in like idle animation. And then Billy yes. Burke like he like does this thing where he like uh like does his he flourishes his gun and then like holsters it and then he gets up and he starts doing it too and it, like i honest to god thought i was gonna see like a night like 99 time come up in the the top of the screen and like a big fight indicator to come on yeah. I mean, <laughs> like it yeah. really yeah it really looks like a fighting game um I, to sort of like a, a really good encapsulation of what you were discussing with the like that sort of disappointing, but maybe appropriate lack of inspiration uh, this movie has in terms of its own fight choreography. The the most probably like stylized and iconic action sequence in this movie is straight up stolen from Shoot 'Em Up. Uh, he he has the whole sex scene while he's having a fight uh, in in the hotel room, and it's like that's literally another movie's action sequence. <laughs> like I mean- they they. Well, okay. the The scene where he's having a shootout and, and having sex yeah, with a yeah. woman l- was literally from yeah. another movie, like hmm. st- and, st- and stolen wholesale. Not
1: done as well.
4: No, and also literally. like yeah, exactly. Like like none of the gunplay in this movie is actually good at all. Uh, got, it's not. Uh, sh- oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh no, just you. You just made me think. Now I really want to see a movie where William Fichtner is the accountant and Paul Giamatti from Shoot 'Em Up, just like are oh, all my the same movie. That would be probably the crowning meeting at the moment minds. of cinema today. Yes.
4: Yes, yes, please. Oh, my God. I would love to have, like, a drive-angry crossover. <laughs> uh, but but that is just to say, like, Cody, I think I agree with you that, like, I think that I found the fighting in this movie that all of the action sequences, like, very, very uninspired, like, almost, like, ridiculously uninspired, especially for a movie that has so little else going on. Like, you really you really thought that at least, like, if you're going to be an action movie, like, make the action scenes really great. And none of the action scenes in this movie are memorable. Um, there aren't even any, like, really cool kills. There's some really good gore, I guess. Uh, but it's nothing nothing that's, like, amazing, uh, in my opinion. But, like, how can you be mad when you can tell that the real reason why this movie was made was to do silly uh 3D effects right like at one point nicolas cage fires his gun at the camera and all of the bullets like come streaming at you and you're just like oh i get it i'm supposed to be wearing big dumb glasses right now <laughs> so that i have to like dodge the bullets myself or something and or like exactly like Every time something explodes, the fucking, like, fender or whatever just flies at the screen, and you're supposed to be like, oh, look out! Uh, Or, like, when Billy Burke dies, and, and he dies like nobody else in the movie, and his body just, like, erupts in, like, holy light, and, like, his bones fly at you, and it's like, oh, I get it. There was no reason for any of this except that they wanted to make it 3D. Uh, so it's just like the dumbest possible motivations and like exactly like you said, Cody, it's like when the movie's that dumb, you almost have to like go to bat for it, right? It's like, oh, I see what you were doing. You were trying to be this stupid and you succeeded. So congratulations. Yeah, I'm
0: mostly just in awe of the fact that like – not that this movie got made but the fact that they got that much money for the studio to do it when it is mm-hmm. so plainly incompetent. Like this is one of those movies that genuinely would not exist anymore because you would have to shoot it for like right. two million dollars for VOD. You would not get fucking fifty million dollars to blow on not knowing what you're doing and then just turn in a finished product because it's in three D as your justification.
2: And and made I think like forty one million. You found out or something it, like that. It, just I'm completely make sure, yeah, money at
0: this point, but yeah, yeah this it, was not sure. a hit, which is a shame because like I want yes. a dozen sequels.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it 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 yeah, kind of two semi-separate but also kind of related thoughts the first one is that like it does feel like this is the product of uh you know a bunch of studios trying to cash in on the gold mine that is 3d films and just like ah fuck we were like six months late in order to put this out and really like capitalize on this trend and now like you know, 3D viewership is like dropping, and nobody wants to see this shit anymore. And people are actually like annoyed that there's still so many 3. I mean, by the end of the the tale of like, uh, you know, 3D films and theaters, there were a lot of people were like really pissed because they tried to go to to 2D showings, but like, you know, the production companies would like necessitate a certain amount be in 3D to try and make their money back on that. Uh, and like, you just couldn't, you just couldn't catch a lot of films in 2D. You, you like, you had to see it in 3D, which like sucks in general but also sucks if you're like there's a lot of people just like can't watch 3d uh and it's like oh nope, not drive angry not for you i'm afraid not not the not these batch of showings uh but the other thing is like to kind of tying into harry's point like it does feel like a movie in which is is a lot of cool things are happening but executed at least from a technical standpoint pretty badly right like the idea of like A gunfight while a guy's having sex, Uh, a car smashing into, like, a bunch of cultists about to sacrifice a baby, Uh, a fucking fuel tanker exploding and crashing down a highway. All very cool. All very uh, interesting to me, just if you were to tell me about it. Uh, But then, like, the execution is, like, just very 2011, like, ooh. Yeah, not that Yeah, good a, lot cuts, really like a lot of impossible,
4: cuts, really like impossible impossible to parse scenes, particularly <laughs> the final fight sequence uh, where Nicolas Cage just drives his big car through the former <laughs> prison and just runs over a bunch of people and shoots a bunch of people. It was like... And I know we do this way too much, but, like, I was thinking about the last sequence in John Wick, the first one, where he drives his car and kills a bunch of people. Yeah. And it's, like, what a fucking miracle it is that that movie looks like that when, like, this was this was par for course, right? It's just that, like, man, action movies were really in a bad spot for a while there, I feel. <laughs> and this is, a, unfortunately, a pretty good example of that, where it's just, like, like, you kind of have to, like, just imagine that what you were seeing was executed well like you said Aaron and then it would be pretty cool but like what you're actually given here is is not uh i think
1: even worse though is like the a lot of the more mundane scenes that are maybe a little bit similar are also kind of the scene where amber heard like Catches her, you know, fiance like cheating and then she like punches him one or two times, even the way. I mean, the way that Cody described it is like a, a Looney Tunes sort of like wind up set up shot for that punch. Like even the way that that is filmed is like, yeah, you got to do a little better than that. You Surely you could you could figure out a way to to shoot a woman punching a guy twice uh, just a little bit more competently than what's done here. Uh, nope. nope, afraid not.
2: I. Abby, do you have one more dog pile before I actually, like, absolutely counter this whole argument of the action scenes being bad with one great but, example?
0: No, yeah, I will say, like, even just outside of action scenes, like, the shoddiest part of this film, which is hilarious, is when they are allegedly in this strip club bar that is insanely obvious this was a reshoot on a green screen <laughs> they didn't even bother to composite correctly. It's it's very charming, but it's also, like, you you couldn't have spent the money just a little better, guys?
2: Here's Here's the thing. I, this isn't my example, but y- those things are incredibly ugly. The rest of the movie is pretty ugly too. So it's not like we're dipping the bar way too much lower <laughs> below like <laughs> our the Yeah, I, I don't think it like peaks at a certain level of ugliness. Uh, but my example that I, I think I like, yes, by and large, the action scenes not incredibly well directed. More they get by on their stupidity than on their like beauty. The the sequence that we were talking about earlier with the police stop and William Fichtner coming by in the gas truck that is maybe a perfect action scene. I understood everything. I read everything. He does the John Wick thing where he walks out of the car as it's screeching by, but he does it onto a cop car.
1: That's that is and that is and, the, and the shot then the tank flips, yeah. flips
2: with like inches to spare over the charger's hood. It's it's literally a perfect. I don't sequence. agree with you on
1: the rest. The rest it of looks that thing like is shit. pretty bad too. But the the scene where he <laughs> steps out onto the car inspired. That is uh, very good. bonus points for that. The rest of that scene, I don't, I don't agree with
2: you at all. Very, but, very good. Uh,
1: but also like, look, I mean, we've, we've, we've kind of been hit. I, I don't agree with you. I think that scene is like not great, but
4: also like, I don't know. I had a good time. Oh, watching not, it. not the, not the I scene. Had a just good time just the action movie. sequence. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, and that's, that's, that's how i felt about the entire movie right is that like i think that like my first sort of taste in the first act i was sort of like i was a little bit worried i thought it was going to be a little bit too uh not the wrong kind of sleazy maybe i should say but then like by the end of this movie i was really surprised like i was deeply charmed by it like earnestly charmed by it like when i when you watch william fichtner and uh nicholas cage drive back into hell well that terrible song is playing i was like hell yes i want to watch this movie again <laughs> <Yeah>. right now <laughs> it's awesome right it's like so i i think that it's a weirdly triumphant movie in in what it's trying to do uh and what it's trying to do is just very silly and stupid uh i suppose
2: um agreed but hey it's, you know is trying to waste money and it did that spectacularly if you're gonna really waste money it know, it like this
4: yeah to, uh, to abby's point like how did this movie get made, like, earnestly, though? You know what I mean? It's like, what was was the dire- – because the director didn't do anything – I mean, I guess he did My Bloody Valentine in 3D. Did that make a bunch of money? Oh, it did. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh. I mean – Okay, I, got you it. You know why. I, I think <laughs> yeah. it's a
1: studio being like, look – 3D's hot, and well, hopefully it still will be in a year and a half when this movie's
4: done. With right. So, like, literally in, in real time, well, I was, this is his follow-up to My Bloody Valentine 3D, which cost $14 million to make and made $120 million. So, pretty obvious, actually, uh, what happened, but um, I don't know what that was. But, uh, so, I guess that's that's interesting.
0: Yeah. and after that point, he got back on his feet as the screenwriter of the uh, blockbuster classic Terminator Genesis, uh, which we all remember and love. Oh, <laughs> oh
2: my. I, I watched that the, less uh, than a year ago. So yes, what's I do that remember Entertainment
4: that? Weekly did those those uh,
2: photos yep. of oh, the yeah. cast.
4: Legendary. They, all, they always look. Oh, my of the God. those cast members. I never forgot those. <sighs>
2: <sighs> Jesus he did, Christ!
4: He did Dracula
1: 2000 as well. Which he did like, what?
2: Wow! This Dracula is the Dracula 2000, connect, 2000 the, which was a, a very
1: good. A classic, like, uh, I, I remember seeing that, whatever knockoff blockbuster I was, you know, went to growing up. Blockbuster?
2: Like, Thanks. Should-
1: yeah, I mean if, it's, if you uh, the, the Dracula is not really integral to the blockbuster knockoff piece. It's just a movie at the blockbuster. But I'm willing to go along with your your pun there. Uh, but that was just like a classic movie I'd seen. Be like, what the fuck is Dracula 2000? Uh, apparently he apparently he did this. This is is coming to be. That now. is. Uh, he that also is you know provenance. credit to him uh, uh, supposedly uh, consulted on uh, Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, a legitimately great movie. So you know I'm hmm.
0: a, I'm a fan of Patrick Lussier. Okay. Wow. So, okay I, after, apparently, we we have we have this idea where Tom Cruise is going to be having sex with someone while in a gunfight. We just want to know from your personal experience: is this a good idea? <laughs> and you just look some of the <laughs> eyes we well. know.
1: Well. Patrick, we unfortunately cut that scene from the film. So. But thank you for your <laughs> consultation. We, yeah. Uh, yeah take $20,000. That, <laughs> that wasn't quite uh, Cruz material. It, is, it
2: yeah. is crucial. It was crucial to the film's plot. Um, as soon as we heard your ideas, we decided to rip it entirely from the movie. We realized it was a terrible idea, but only once you started to execute. <laughs> Cruz <Cruise laughs> oh,
1: insisted on doing his own stunts
0: for that one, and we just we had to cut that he, yeah
2: He, well, he, he got too, way too into it. Um,
0: Look, yeah. What Cruz doesn't want us to know is that he, too, had his Dick bitten off like twenty years ago, and that's why he hasn't had sex in a movie ever since.
1: <laughs> that would explain the complete lack of sexuality up until Top Gun Maverick. Top Gun all Maverick, back. yes, <laughs> yes, yes.
2: He gets uh, to, sorry. he gets to bone down once more. Um. This is the point of the podcast where I would normally uh, open the door one last time to final thoughts. I call it the junk drawer. Just anything that didn't fit in the larger conversation. Uh, just to give you an idea of what fits there generally. Uh, I really uh, enjoyed the um, the scene where William Fichtner kind of first scene where he gets to do something and it's attacking uh, Piper's boyfriend uh, and he pins him up against the wall in the first show of like explicitly supernatural strength. And the guy just hanging from the wall is just like, Why does everyone want to hurt me? (laughs) It's a very 2010s joke, but the timing on it is very good because they don't give it any time to breathe. Uh, That whole scene, I've got more from that scene, but Cody. Uh,
3: That quote you just mentioned was my backup in case you went the (laughs) route that I ended up going with. Um, So I'm glad you called that out. Um, Just one other note as far as, again, putting this in a specific time and place, that uh, the introduction to that like weird d tier character of the sheriff who like seemed like he was on his day off and like came onto the scene wearing a shirt th- uh straight out of threadless like the online clothing store yeah, threadless of just like movie spoilers and just like <laughs> listen i remember shopping through threadless in the year 2011 i was a college freshman once upon a time and it just like i remember looking at that just like wow th- this is such a I was what, like, I was what, wondering what, what made what made them want above everything else. Why why would you want the sheriff to be wearing a movie spoilers like shirt in a movie like this? Could have been wearing anything else. Um, that hit me in a in a funny but ultimately well, I mean, in a weird way, but ultimately a, a funny. Good. I'd way. forgotten that. Yeah,
0: in a deleted scene, Amber Heard shows off her Think Geek merch collection. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. Uh, Damn, I had a thing and then I lost it. Alas,
2: that is how this podcasting thing goes quite often. I will say yes. just as a quick shout out to that actor, the one who plays the um, the sheriff. I am looking for his actual name right now, uh, but he is from Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Uh, he oh was wow, the main Tom Atkins. Tom
3: Atkins, incredible.
0: I remembered the thing, which is just that we mentioned, we touched on it earlier. But one of the bonuses in this movie's favor is it really is fun how little regret it has over killing cops. Like yes, Amber Heard yes. like shoots two cops in the face, and then it's just like, well, you're a wanted fugitive now. you've yeah. Got to keep on the run. Like, there's no moral quandary about it whatsoever. In for a pen- yes. well, pound,
2: Piper. Well,
4: and like, like also they they sort of play with that because like later on the the when they bring back that de- to your sheriff character like there's this really ghastly joke that is like recurring in this movie about how he's like now remember boys when i say aim for their tires what i mean is blow their heads off now remember now aim for their tires everyone and like they keep bringing it up like at one point uh a cop like sticks a shotgun in fickner's face and he's like you want me to shoot out his tires cap (laughs) and so it, it is like it's like accident like it was very clearly just like the screenwriter having some fun and like wanted to like Characterize a character in a funny, yeah. interesting way. Like he had to do his version of the sheriff, but like almost accidentally becomes like this funny anti-cop movie <laughs> because it's just like, oh yeah, all the cops can't wait to kill people. Like they're all so excited to join this chase and take down Nicolas Cage. Uh, and when Amber Heard kills two of them, it's just fine. <laughs> like there's no problem there whatsoever. Uh, it yeah, that that part does legitimately rock about it's, this movie.
2: Its casual crassness about it is very refreshing. Um, the other sm- two very small things. Uh, Nick Cage's like misogyny spider sense in the scene where Amber Heard is beating up her boyfriend. And like she's she's sort of tearing ass. She's like beating the girl who who's cheating with with him. Yeah. Who's cheating on her with him. Uh, he's beating at her. And then he throws back a punch. Uh, the boyfriend throws back a punch. And to this point, Nick Cage has been off in a phone booth doing some shit off screen completely. And then as soon as that happens, as soon as she hit the, hits the ground, he just whips in the most dramatic, like his hair flips yes. away and his He eyes does the get eyebrow.
4: Made. He does the eyebrow up. Like he's Dwayne, <laughs> the rock Johnson. Where I he's just like, love somewhere. A woman is being
2: hurt. <laughs> I just love that. His misogyny sense starts tingling for that specific moment. Um, And the the line that defines this movie to me is that same scene with William Fichtner. And uh, it's I think Todd Farmer, one of the like writers of this movie, I think played the boyfriend anyway. uh, He's confronting the boyfriend in his apartment. uh, And the guy's like some other, some bitch just came by, you know, beat the shit out of me. And, you know, I called them some bitches and he keeps using the word some bitches and, and William Fichtner sort of like mocks him, By starting off a sentence with the word some bitch, but he says it in the most goofy ass way that I actually clipped. Just reference. Some bitch. (laughs) The way that he says, some bitch, the some bitch will be in my brain forever. (laughs) That's very good. Uh, yeah. Oh boy, that was my last thingy if anybody else has It was
4: really it was really great to see Fitchner in this movie because he's one of those yeah. actors who like I always forget that I'm a big fan of his, right? But then he appears in like a yeah. scene, like in Dark Knight, right? And it's just like, oh yeah, I love that guy. I think he's yeah. great. Uh but I'm look so I'll probably forget him about him again. Uh, but next time I watch this movie, I will uh I will be reminded of that beautiful some bitch. <laughs>
0: I feel like that's probably the reason they cast him in the first place is the actually like, okay, the Dark Knight is really hot right now. Can we get anyone from that cast? Well, we could have maybe gotten Aaron Eckhart, but he's doing Battle LA, so <laughs> do you want the guy who gets the hand grenade put in his mouth in the bank? Perfect. Let's print it.
1: It's, yeah, they had to go down like, you know, 19, 19 spots on All right, the Alright, Christian Bale.
3: Well, ah, uh, he'll never do it. Yeah, I'm
1: afraid not, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah it's it's, just it's great to it's great to just like see him every once in a while be like oh yeah
2: if nobody else has any final thoughts we're gonna segue to the last segment of our show let's do Uh, it harry
4: yes it's the segment that we like to call
2: (gasps) cody's Cody's noties Noties. oh you didn't we didn't get the the chorus. You didn't prep it. Prompt
4: it
1: for the guest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
3: you know. Why oh, is that Abby, my job yeah. now too? What do I do? Yeah, like, do I do yes. you? Do we want to take a take two?
4: God, take I do two. all the work around. Take two, Abby.
2: If you're
3: okay oh, sure. with it, turn on your mic and get ready. <laughs>
4: abby would Very you like well. to, would you like to join us yeah you don't have sure. to. sure all right thank what you. is the
3: what is the cadence in which this intro is usually done i just uh, i got it's, I, a, I it's know. a lot
4: like the sister sister theme uh if oh. you not you know you, if you if you're familiar with that classic television you know, you program know. uh it's this segment we're doing the second take now uh is the segment we like to call
3: <gasps> cody's, 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 cody's. cody's there we go fuck yes Wow. Thank you, everybody, for that hellish introduction. I mean that in a good way. Um, get it. Today, we'll be taking a, a slight branding detour into a segment I like to call Drive Love. Vroom, vroom, baby. Uh, what I'll do is present a series of prompts somewhat related to you know movies that focus on drives, drivers, driving... Any other permutations you can think of after each statement, I will ask y'all in alphabetical by first name order to respond. And so I have that down as Aaron, Abby, Harry, Jason, you can check my work on that. But I, th- I think I got it pretty correct. Uh, you'll get a point. For every correct answer, or closest to the correct answer, and the person with the most points at the end will win. As always, trivia mafia rules apply here, so use your noodles, not your Googles. With that, let's go ahead and jump in with our first question. We'll be starting with Driving Miss Daisy, Um, perhaps against my better judgment. Which co-stars Morgan Freeman? How tall is Morgan Freeman, Aaron? (laughs)
2: Get, get, get away from the mouse let go of the mouse
1: no 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 i mean i'm not uh th- wow that really t- that you know that really took me i knew i was up first uh <laughs> such a tall presence you know but I. he's not i know i he's not a short king but i know he's not a super tall king i'm gonna put morgan freeman at exactly six feet
3: six feet says aaron all right abby how tall do you think morgan freeman is
0: I'm gonna say six one.
3: All right, we got six one. Pretty boxed in on the first question. Because, yeah, this is gonna go for me. <laughs> it's called good gaming. Uh, Harry, you're up next. What is your guess? I'm gonna do five ten. Harry says five ten, and Jason. Where does that put your you, guess? You know what I'm gonna guess. It's five
2: eleven, baby. All oh, right. Jason says, 5'11", baby. <laughs> I don't think you he's shorter. Really I, don't, I don't think, I don't think he's
3: 6'2". I really don't think he's 6'2". Alrighty. Well, hey, we'll soon find out what the answer is when I read it. Uh, in a few moments, going off a few sources on the internet, Morgan Freeman is reportedly, allegedly <clears throat> six feet 2", inches God, tall, Morgan Freeman. Uh, <laughs> I, like I,
1: I like that I joke about being boxed in and Jason's like, I'm going to box myself in. That's going to be my strategy for this question. Yeah. I,
4: I really would have done the same thing, Jason, because yeah. like I did not think Morgan Freeman was that tall because I remember him six being shorter two. than Christian Bale. Isn't he shorter than Christian Bale? No.
3: no. Christian Bale that, is that's a different set of game. noties, my brother. Yeah. Okay, that's uh, I, uh,
1: point, Cody, is that a quiz question? Can I look up the height of Christian Bale?
3: Uh, if you Bale, want to go for it. Christian yeah.
1: Bale is six feet.
3: Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, so okay. point Abby. So Christian Bale was in, in lifts that day. Um, yeah, and Abby yeah. gets the point for being closest. Um, I cannot – listen, folks, I cannot stress this enough. It is still very much – anybody's game i hope that came through some bitch
1: after the first question but
3: yeah all right <laughs> yeah like listen you can't let people guess your next move um but our next move will ultimately be pivoting to question two which uh will allow us to hit on one mulholland drive which i don't know if anybody here is familiar with that film um but it was directed by david lynch and now Again, we're all about informing people of of various things that uh, people might not be aware of. And in case y'all here don't know, in many IMDb profiles, uh, that's the Internet Movie Database. They've got a section dedicated to to trademarks of a particular artist. What I'm going to do here is list three David Lynch trademarks per IMDb. Two of them are going to be real. One of them is going to be fake. And your job will be to pick out the fake trademark, starting with the first trademark here. I'll read them off one at a time. First trademark. Finds small town USA fascinating. That's the first one. Second one never explains the meaning of his movies. And then the third trademark here: quirky, strained voice. So those are the three trademarks. Aaron, which one of those is a uh, is is a falsy walsy? Uh,
1: those are all accurate to Lynch. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the first one. I think. I, I, honestly, props to you. Those all seem real. So good job, Cody. You're getting too good at this, maybe. I'm going to go with the first what? one as the
3: fake one. Small Town. All right, first one. Yeah, Small Town USA finds it fascinating. All right, I got that etched in concrete. It's on a mountain somewhere. Uh, Abby, over to you. Which one of these trademarks do you think is not for real as far as IMDb is concerned?
0: I'm going to go with number
4: three.
3: All right, Abby is going with uh, uh, the Quirky Strained Voice. Um, Harry, what's your guess?
4: I'm also going to go with number three. That seems like a classic switcheroo of the adjectives. I bet there's something about his voice, but quirky and strained were invented by Cody. I'm calling my shot.
3: Okay. All right. I got you locked in as well. And Jason, you have the opportunity to cover the spread or go a different direction. It all falls on your super producery shoulders. What are you thinking? I'm a producer, not a sportsman. I'm going to cover the spread and go with uh, that he never explains his work as
2: being the falsehood. I'm, I feel like that's too elegantly worded to be a real piece of sure.
3: yeah. trademark trivia. I'm wow. just going to say- yeah, okay. So in your own way you gave me a little bit of a compliment there. And you know what? Bonus brownie point for Jason Daphnis. Out uh, of the correct the correct answer though was C. Um Goddammit. C is the fake <sighs> trademark. Um I I did indeed tweak that one um though I think ultimately this is maybe a little less believable. Um the original trademark uh trademark and I quote reads quirky nasal voice. Quirky nasal voice. I can hear that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. How is that a director trademark when that's just how he fucking
3: talks? <laughs> right. Hey, hey. welcome he is in, to... He's in some yes. of his own
0: stuff, though, so maybe... A front
3: three-quarters yeah. view. Yeah,
0: that reminds me of how, I think, for Spielberg, one of his director trademarks on IMDb is just music. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> or at least it was back in like 2010.
3: Christ. Oh yeah, that hasn't changed. You can bet your life on it. Um, and we are moving right along. Uh, Abby uh, has two points sitting atop the leaderboard. Uh, Harry gets on the board with one point and Aaron and Jason are currently uh, tied for last place they yet to get on the board. Um, I'm not going to say that thing. I usually say, cause I just said it, but uh, question three, I'm going to go ahead and call it the director of drive my car, Rusuke Hamaguchi. Apologies for any mispronunciations. Uh, And we're actually going to take a little bit of time to invoke the Rashomon rule, which is that no film needs to be longer than Rashomon, a perfect film released in 1950 and directed by Akira Kurosawa. Rashomon comes in at 88 minutes. So I ask you all, what percentage of Rusuke Hamaguchi's director credits on Letterboxd, all of the director credits he has on Letterboxd, um, what percentage of them abide by that Rashomon rule, Aaron? Uh, this eight,
1: this you,
2: you answering this question uh, God, does not no abide by the Rashomon rule. You've taken eighty-eight eight,
0: minutes.
3: 18%. <laughs> 18%, says Aaron. Alrighty. Um got that locked in. Abby, what are you thinking?
0: I'm gonna say zero percent.
3: Zero percent. Strong, strong. Long fucking movie. Does it yeah, yeah, are we counting short films or feature films only? All director credits on letterboxed. Oh, which puts Harry's guess at. Uh, 10%. 10% says Harry and Jason. What is that? Put your
2: guess. I am going to shoot for the stars. It's 50%.
3: Jason says 50%. If you would have
1: done like 19 or 20%, I would have killed you. I'm just letting you I would have slit your
3: throat. Next well, time I saw you. You're already ready to sleep. kill me over the 511 thing. <laughs> That's true. Well, yeah, it's a shame that this is an audio-only format. So maybe maybe think of something else to do, Aaron, um, for for content yeah, treat reasons. me. At least you can hear it. Yeah. Bling, bling, boom. That's the sound guns make. And this is the sound I make as I reveal the answer of the 24 films directed by Rusuke Yamaguchi that are included on Letterboxd. 10 of them come in at or under 88 minutes which gets us to 41.666 <laughs> repeating of course percentage it should be noted um i probably don't need to to say it just given the trajectory of everybody's guesses um all of his most recent and or well-known films are two hours plus <laughs> in some <laughs> cases they are three Great. hours or longer yeah. um are but, all of uh, the uh
4: ones that aren't short
3: short films there there's a mix i mean i mean none of them are like two or three minutes. I mean, you got some 10 to like 20 minuteers. There's one that's like, or a couple that are in the realm of like 40 to 60 minutes. Oh, okay. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't dig too deep to see what those were all about. It seemed like, yeah, I mean, the intent was for some of them to be like feature length projects, but that was before he had like a runway and it was just kind of like, well, whatever this ends up being, throw it up on letterboxd. Um, sure. my publicist and these dumb people can use it in their silly game. Um, that's I, I want to like see all of interview. those. I like that. I like that guy quite a bit. Going to
1: really yeah. shoot him to, to another level of popularity with this quiz quiz show. I think this quiz this quiz question here that's really going to be good for his career. I think.
3: Yeah, and ours as well. Um, yes. scare quotes careers. Um, but yeah, for for question number four, just using that momentum, uh, we'll give the film Drive a shout out. Drive, uh, for those unaware, stars Ryan Gosling, and similar to what we've done in previous games, I'm going to read off three quotes allegedly uttered by ryan gosling the star or co-star of drive um you know co-star you got carrie mulligan you got albert brooks in there ron perlman sure two of these utterances that i'm about to read off will be for real again allegedly don't sue us we can't pay you anything and one will be fake your task is to pick out the fake utterance so i'll read off the three quotes and leave it to each of you to pick out the imposter afterward starting with the first quote which I will read now. When I was six, I'd get in my red Speedo and do muscle moves. I didn't know everyone was laughing at me. First quote. Second quote. For now, I'm just going to keep doing the work and hope I don't get fired. If people want to put me up on their walls, I'll love it. That was the second quote. And third quote. The theme for me is companionship and the lack of it. We all want that and we don't know how to get it. So which one of the three quotes is um they're just to to you know give you incorrect vibes i'm trying to think of different ways to say these things aaron what's your guess
1: i'm going i'm going the third one is the fake quote i'm feeling confident this will not win me the game but put me on the board i
0: think
3: all right aaron goes with number three abby what's your pick
0: uh also three
3: also three all right Harry and Jason, we've got, you know, spread covering on the docket, just throwing that out there. I just, I would be remiss to not, you know, it's a crucial part of the metagaming at this point in the, in the noties, um, canon. But, uh, all that said, Harry, what are you, what are you leaning towards?
4: I'm going to go with number two and I'm going to say, instead of I'll love it, he'll, he said something else uh, about being put up on people's walls. That's my called shot this time around.
3: Gotcha. All right. Another, wow. Another patented Harry Mackin called shot. Um, Jason, what shot are you going to call for this question? Now I'm stuck because I was going
2: to, I was going to go with B for the exact same reason. I think it must be like, I'll accept it. I'll tolerate it. I'll, I'll, I'll be okay with that or something. Uh, but my, my interpedent is like, cover the spread, cover the spread, go with A. I'll go with A. I'm not going to win this game anyway. Well, I'll go with A.
3: Uh, before I reveal the answers, just a quick little reminder to everybody. this is still very much anybody's game. Ho ho! hi everybody. Went to Mickey Mouse oh, for that one. Um, the, uh, the imposter is the third quote. Uh, so see the real quote is as follows. The theme for me is love and the lack of it. We all want that and we don't know how to get it. And he goes on to say, and everything we do is some kind of attempt to capture it for ourselves. See Ryan Gosling in the upcoming Barbie film. Um, I will be seeing that without hesitation, just for what it's worth. Um, Quick recap of the scoreboard. Uh, Abby holds a commanding lead with three points. Uh, uh, Aaron, Harry, Jason are all tied with one point apiece in the next slot behind. We've got one more question here. and For this fifth and final question, beat, beat. We're going to call out the film Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver was directed by, by one Marty Scorsese, Maybe you've heard of him and written by Paul Schrader. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, So naturally there are a number of profane elements. My question for you all is how many times is the word fuck and its various forms used in the film taxi driver, whomever is closest to the correct answer will get four points. The next closest will get three points and so on and so forth. So again, reiterating the question, um, film taxi driver, maybe you've heard of it. How many times does the word fuck and it's, you know, derivatives? How often is that word used in the film? A lot on the line here as, as high as the stakes ever get on this silly show of ours. Um, But Aaron, what is your guess? 96. Aaron says 96. All right. Abby, I what do you a 95 say? and a
1: 97.
0: <laughs> 72.
3: Right. God
4: Abby damn it, says, I was gonna guess seventy two. Uh Harry, what are you thinking? Seventy was literally gonna be my guess. Uh let me think. Um I'm gonna do I'm gonna do uh fifty six. Give a little maybe runway six. there for, for Abby and also like maybe maybe it's the thing where like this is actually ironically less yeah. fucks than most Marty scripts. We'll see. Maybe
1: it's mostly a lot of bastards, things of that nature,
3: you know. Mm. Uh, we'll find out soon enough, but first, Jason, what's your guess? The final guess in the game rests upon your athletic shoulders.
2: 81. 81. Just cutting the so, difference. Just doing my job. Just the poop smith.
3: The poop smith. That's from something, right? I'm vamping a little bit as I That's tell you. That's from Star football. Runner,
2: baby. Yes. Oh,
3: okay. Yeah. Jason, did you
2: ever go through and
4: uh, watch those Strong Bad emails that you now have on DVD? (laughs) Not on the DVD,
3: no. A couple years ago, I went through a YouTube playlist. (laughs) Okay, excellent. (laughs) Brilliant. Hey, speaking of things, I've got some things for y'all, and the things are the results of this game. I just want to say in advance... Thank you all very much for participating. This is a lot of fun, as it always is. Based on research performed by various members of the internet community, I cannot stress enough that I did not go through and watch Taxi Driver and do a head or hand counter or whatever of all the times fuck was said. This is secondhand information passed along to me by the the, the web gods. Um, but based on tabulations somebody else did, Taxi Driver utilizes the word fuck 33 times. 33 so where that puts us (sighs) where that puts us so the the closest guess was harry with 56 he gets four points for that plus one point from the previous previous questions that puts him at five uh abby three points before this the next closest guess um with 72 that's another three so abby ends up with six um, Jason with the next close beyond that gets two points plus the one from before, puts him at three for the game. And Aaron uh, bringing up the rear with 96, he gets one plus the additional All one right. that he had. So that puts him at two for the game. So Abby six, Harry five, Jason three, Aaron two. Abby wins. Thank you. This has Woo-hoo. been my love.
2: Room, room. Vroom vroom. <laughs> I beat Aaron and that's what matters. Uh congratulations, Abby. What? First first time Thank around you. you got the gold medal. Holy shit. Well done. Uh before I can we only go
0: downhill from here. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't worry, it will. Uh, but not just yet because we have an episode to end. Uh where can people find you on the internet? Where do you want to plug? Uh
0: yeah, I'm on Twitter at Good Hunter Abby. You probably won't see me there that much as I'm taking a break from Maine, but that is kind of the only uh well, creative endeavor. Fuck off, Abby's Twitter account. But that's like <laughs> the only outlet that I really have at the moment as far as things going on. So if you want to see me being grumpy about movies, that is where you can find me.
2: There or at the Trilon Cinema once in a while. Uh, thank you so much, Abby, for being on. Hope you come back again sometime. Uh, check the calendar and let us know what you want to uh, watch and talk about. Uh, and I'm talking to the audience when I say that. Uh, it really is fun to have new guests and stuff. So, hey, check us out on Twitter at Uh Get in touch at TryLovePodcast at gmail.com. I don't plug that one very often but some people do send emails there uh, you can check us out there you can check out the Trilon at Trilon.org I take us to the rest of the Nick Cage series and we'll see you there look out for our episodes on those and for some fun off schedule off rails programming here and there with uh, new fun guests my name is Jason Daphnis I help make this show uh, you can find me on Twitter at
3: Nintendoofus thanks so much for being here Abby uh, I've been Cody Narvison you can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore B-H
4: yeah, thanks, Abby. That was really great. Uh, super fun to talk about this one with you. Uh, by the way, Jason, we do have another guest in the wings. Perhaps I did the thing where I looked at the Trilove Twitter account because I wanted to see if somebody liked my tweet. But then I saw that we had a message, and I don't respond to those messages because it scares me to talk to strangers. Cool. So, uh, but you, it also it got rid of the notification. So I'm just letting you know now. Oh, that's cool. That yeah, so the, I make love sure you that look this is on mic. Make sure that you look that up yes. later. Uh, yeah. I've been Harry Mack, and you can you can find me on Twitter at Shitaki Harry. Or uh, sometimes I tweet from the Trial of account, but don't try to get in contact with me there because I will not respond because it does frighten.
2: Cool.
1: And my name is Aaron. Jason, can you come do my laundry? Maybe some other chores. Just while we're reminding you of stuff, maybe you can clean some like, yeah. dishes.
2: I'll be I'll be that there in six sense.
3: and a half hours.
1: Okay, cool, cool. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at RBPlease. Please.
3: And on the note of reminders, here's another one for y'all. Since the birth of time, humanity has endeavored to restrain evil men in prisons. But ever since Cain fled the murder of his brother, evil men have fled the walls of punishment. So it doesn't matter if you're a badass motherfucker on the run because you think you're better than everyone else and somehow entitled to do what you gotta do. No. Because you see, badass motherfuckers are never fast enough. In the end, they will all be accounted for.